Another Way to Play, episode 111. So I took what I'd been seeing since I would have been 14 years old and what I really wanted to do was build something myself. And I built my first company. It's still around today. I know, you know, we're not talking about that right now, but I've built a seven-figure company all from scratch out of my house. Hey, everybody, this is Brandon Straza, co-founder of The Success Finder and host of the podcast, The Mastermind Effect. And if you want to learn to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, then you should be listening to Another Way to Play with my good friend, Hans Strozina. Welcome to Another Way to Play. I'm your host, Hans Strozina, Olympic athlete turned top producing Bay Area realtor. I believe that your success or failure is determined by your ability to compete and win when it comes to your mindset. Twice a week, I talk with other high performers to share the lessons and inspiration that allowed them to blow the roof off their success. So get ready to have some fun, be inspired, and most importantly, learn the skills you need to win in your own life. This is Another Way to Play. I am your host, Hans Strazina, and I believe that your success or failure in life is determined by your ability to succeed and win when it comes to your mindset. Today's guest is someone I have the pleasure of having known for a number of months now, almost a year actually. It's Brandon Straza. He is the co-founder of The Success Finder and host of the Mastermind Effect podcast. Brandon previous to all of that, uh, has founded and runs a seven-figure insurance company and uh, has a couple of other really cool things going on. Uh, one of the reasons I wanted to bring him on is because he is so grounded in his mindset. He almost has this easygoing personality, but he is an absolute hard charger and has a great story to tell. In this one, Brandon talks to us about basically building this mindset from an early age and starting off with a motivation that came from a, a no that he got as a young person, a, a more or less a negative place, and how he's taken that and run with it, but how also he's been able to surround himself with really amazing people, some he didn't get to choose like his family, but others he did, like through the masterminds and some of those circles that he's uh, invested into. If you're getting value out of this episode or any others, please leave me a rating and review on iTunes. It really helps me grow the show and helps it get out in front of a few more people who might need to hear it. So really appreciate you for that. Thanks in advance. And without any further ado, let's get it rolling with my good buddy, Brandon Straza. Brandon, bro. So excited to have you on. It's been a long time coming and I'm glad it's finally here. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. It's been a hot minute since we've seen each other on the slopes and then here in Dallas. Yeah, man. Why don't you give us a glimpse of what you've got going on? Because you've got a, a handful of things and, and just give us the rundown of what is going on in the life of Brandon Straza. Yeah, so I'll go with like what's really exciting me right now and what we've got coming out later on this year. About a year and a half ago, I came up with a concept as I'm leaving Thailand and, and it was a product of a mastermind. And I realized that one of my unfair advantages was time and money that I had a little bit more time and a little bit more money than what I previously had. And the unfair advantage was I was able to go to Thailand and meet all these amazing people. But the thing that I didn't think that was really cool about that was that other people didn't have access to something like that. So it was about midnight. I got bumped for my flight, didn't speak the language, so didn't know why. And I just sat there and realized like, it's my responsibility to come up with an idea to how 
I can shorten that gap between someone's discover and willing to work with someone in the mastermind in the knowledge broker space. And so I came up with an idea called the success finder. And what we're building on a platform level right now is eventually it'll be a rating matching knowledge base center to where we'll bring in the consumers and turn them into members, non-paying members. They don't have to pay for their membership, but they'll be able to find out who matches what they're looking for. So if they're looking for, let's say uh, a marketing creator, marketing mastermind at this price point in this time frame whether it's virtual, whatever it is. And we're, you know, we'll, we'll dwindle that down and we'll sit there and say, Hey, who's here's who matches with you best. Yeah. And there you go. The success finder in a $50 billion a year industry is created to help people get them to where they want to go faster. Mm, I love that. Cause as you and I have both talked about, it is not an easy task to figure out where you're going to fit in, what value you're going to get from a mastermind. And you got to pony up for some of these things. You're writing six, you know, five, six figure checks in some cases. And it's like, oh, shoot, is that going to come back to me? Like, I don't know. And so breaking that veil down was, um, I, I love the idea. And I have since you pitched it originally to me. And then I love to see what you've done with as just over the last year, roughly. So it's really, really cool. Yeah. No, it's really exciting. And and the reality is it's, it's a lot of work that goes on behind it. You can have a dream and a vision, but most people at the end of the day sit there, it just sits on the shelf. It's like the shelf sitting behind me, it just stays there. But to actually make it come to light, like you are with what you've been building and with what we're building, that's, that's how you make a difference. Yeah, man. And to your point, like the time and the money, you've got more time than you used to. Like clearly you, you came from somewhere and you got to a point where you're able to like tackle a big project like this. So let's back up a little bit in your story and let's talk about where your journey actually began. Yeah, I'd say I'd almost go back to my early teen years, to be honest with you. And there was a couple impactful things that happened to me. Number one, I had a, a math teacher that through conversation realized I had, I had a brother who was, who was very smart, very gifted in sports and education. And he was salutatorian. And I had a sister who was number three in the world at one point before she went to college for golf. And, and then there was me. I just wanted to work and make money. And she, in essence, told me, no, I wasn't going to make anything of myself. And I wasn't going to, you know, become something. I had a, two siblings that were. So that was a real driving force because at that time, I was scrubbing clubs, working the cash register. And I never really realized it when I was 14, 15, 16, 17. But I had the best education system right in front of me. It took probably 10 years beyond that to really start cashing that in. But I was constantly listening to how people were networking at, at the golf course, how they were talking about business deals, how they were talking about growing and expanding and how they were making a difference and change. And I was just sitting there the whole time, talking less and listening more and taking it in because that's what I needed. I needed that nurturing. I needed that skill set that I didn't, that school wasn't able to give me. But by listening to other people's experiences, it helps bring more to me to where I am today. And hearing, no, you can't do this, has still a driving force to this day because I've been told many times no, and it just drives me. Man, it's interesting. I had someone on the show last week who was talking about sort of building your life and being intentional about it and how your, what did he say? 
it, it's it, people really struggle with figuring out what they want in their life, but then it's really easy to figure out what you don't want. And sometimes how that negative force can honestly really drive you forward really pretty far, frankly. And how like going through that exercise of, of something negative or so something you don't want is a, is a way to sort of craft your life. And frankly, I did that for myself recently. I wrote a list of things I don't want. And, and honestly, like that made such a big difference because I'm like you. I was always driven through sports. I was the young guy, or excuse me, the short kid in my grade, the smallest kid on the football team. Yeah, I know you're, you're looking at me like that. I'm not anymore, but I used to be. And uh, I totally relate with that. And I'm sure there are many guys and gals out there listening who can kind of resonate with that. And the one thing I wanted to just point out was like using the negative stuff, using some like pain or some like some bully or some teacher who've told you when you were young as like a driving force, you can't do something. You won't make anything of yourself. You'll never achieve that record or this thing or get into that school. You know, let that be something that fuels you. Cause I, I think all too often, especially in our podcasting entrepreneurship space, it's like, you know, fulfill your dreams, do what you want to do, et cetera, et cetera. But like, like there's some power in some of that negative stuff, no doubt. Yeah, there is. And it, I, to me, it depends in the mindset and the people you've surrounded yourself with at that time. And not everyone has that ability when they're being told no, that they have that family environment around them. And it's, it's so key is to have those positive figures around you. And so it's not just easy when someone says no to something. But if you're able to take it, you're able to hold on to it and turn it into something positive, just remember it and know what, it, know what you do. You don't want to make someone else feel that way. And that's what you have to remember. If you've been given the power to exceed the no, you need to make sure that you don't do that to someone else. It's a really good point. And I was, and I was just going to bring that up is like that negativity because of what it is, it's negative, right? Can manifest in a really negative way it using the word to describe the word but it can it can show up in a in a really disempowering way if you don't have that support and so i was fortunate enough to have a family sounds like you the same around you that was that was able to help you figure out how to harness it and push it in a positive direction as opposed to you know acting out in school and skipping class and you know smoking cigarettes behind the the shed or whatever right so you know what were some of those those forces for you and how did you I guess, how did you kind of find them and take advantage of them even outside of your family? Because I know you have many. Yeah. So I can sit there and I, I got to even spin it back. I can't say that I wasn't the kid that was behind the shed, skipping classes. You know, I, st I still made sure I, I st stuck with my studies, but I was probably also a little mischievous in my, in my younger years, to say the least. So are you asking me like what other driving forces behind it or what other no's have I been told or... Yeah, a fair point. So relative to your story, you, you said you had a really positive sort of upbringing and, and people, but you also uh, around you to help support you in whatever the direction is you were trying to go. Um, but you also had some of these negative environments, like what were some of those specific positives in your life? Like who were those people? What were those experiences that really kind of counterbalanced the no and the negative that you experienced? Yeah, I think a couple things. The uh, my first employer was was like a family to me. So as my mom and dad were separated at the time, they're together at this point, but they were separated at the time. So my mom was continuously working hard for the family, as as was my dad. But if there was a tournament, a golf tournament or something, she'd be taking my sister. So 
I kind of found a, I guess you would call it a pseudo family to, to surround myself with and realized that I needed that nurturing above and beyond what my family, you know, if they weren't able to be there at that point. And that was one of them. And another one really was, I, I don't want to say I drowned myself, but I, at one point I was working three jobs while I was putting myself through school. And so I found each, each job, each interface that I was working with at that, at that time gave me something a little bit differently. I worked at a restaurant, you know, at, back in the kitchen, back with the wait staff. And I worked at a career center on college, helping people with their uh, resumes. And then I continued still working at the, at the golf course. So it was almost like at that point, I was looking for different mentors or different coaches. And I was able to get that with each sphere. I just didn't know that they were my mentors at the time, but I made sure I surrounded myself with different personalities, different perspectives, and different wants and needs that they were looking for. And when I coupled that all together, it was almost like I was able to get the financial mentorship that he needed. I was able to get that, you know, knocking the box down. I don't like to sit there and say, I think outside the box. I just don't have a box around me. So I was able to get that entrepreneurial, like, you know, grit and grind around me. And then I was able to just get that wholesome family, that good feeling where I knew that I was protected and I was safe. And even if I screwed up, I was still going to be loved and nurtured and, and helped along the way. And I got that from my family, from other families, and then just from the people that I worked with. It's interesting how you sort of broke it down into like you got these different groups of people. Is that, you know, your work family, your your family family, your whoever, like there's all the sports teams, et cetera, people at the golf course that, you know, casually and you got different things from them. And that's one of the things I find so awesome about masterminds and obviously where you and I met. Do you think that that played into your desire to to start the success finder and and do all of that? Or, or was that just something that happened later? No, I, I always knew that there was going to come the point where I wanted to control my own destiny. I wanted to control the impact I could make not only on myself, but the people around me. And, and working for corporate America long term, that wasn't going to be the case. I was always going to be answering to somebody. I was always, and, and I'm not saying that I don't to this day answer to someone, but I, I wanted to be the reason why something worked with who I surrounded myself with. And it started at a young age. I came from an entrepreneurial family. We owned, whether it was rental properties and uh, a fairly large restaurant, to being around other people that owned their own businesses and had startups. And, and so I knew. So it took me you know, a little over 10 years meeting the right person. And here's the interesting thing. All I kept saying once I met my wife, Angela, who I'm married to now, is I could build this. I could do this. I could do this. And it was, it was almost like you needed to set the firecracker underneath me. And she, in essence, she directly said one day, she's like, either you know what or get off the pot. I don't know if this is family friendly, but she's like, you know, either do it or stop talking about it. You're going to be in corporate America. That's okay. So I took what I had been seeing since I would have been 14 years old. And what I really wanted to do was build something myself. And I built my first company. It's still around today. I know, you know, we're not talking about that right now, but I've built a seven figure company all from scratch out of my house. Yeah. There's something interesting that I wanted to talk about with like this new thing you're starting. Cause you know, your, your insurance company that you alluded to just a second ago, like you started that as really your first venture 
and you and I over drinks have talked about some of the mistakes and the successes and all that stuff, but there's something amazing about that early stage and, and that like entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial venture of starting something from your, from your kitchen table or wherever you happen to be sitting and growing it into this amazing thing. Do you find that, well, before we get there, talk to us about just the psychology of starting it and going out on your own that first time. Cause, cause that leap from corporate America, from whatever the salary or the the jobs and the titles and the 401ks and all that stuff into, I'm at my kitchen table in my pajamas trying to like make something happen. Like talk to us about that, that process for you for a second. Yeah. It was a lot easier 10 years ago. It, it just was because of where I was in responsibility uh, financially. It was just, it just seemed easier. I looked at it from this standpoint. I didn't actually look at what was the failure rate when I was putting this together. I didn't sit there and say, well, if this doesn't work out, who am I responsible for? I'm like, I'm responsible for myself and my wife's got a good job. So, you know, she's, she's got us as well. And I was told over and over again, don't start your first company. Don't do it. It was like my next big no in life. And it came from family, friends. They're just like, you're getting ready to get married. Just don't do it. And I'm like, why not? Like, they kept telling me how many businesses fail, but, you know, Google wasn't what it was today. Research, you can't do, you don't have all the platforms where you can just like easily, oh, are they right in this? Or is this, I felt, I thought it was a feeling and not a fact. And so, because I'm like, what's the worst going to happen? I'm not going to fail. Like, there's a lot of other people out there that are starting their own businesses. And so why can't I? So when I left, I think I had around 30,000 in the bank. And I I had previously had more, but unfortunately, through a Ponzi scheme, not that I had started, but unfortunately, I had invested in, lost everything that I had built up at that point. So I had around $30,000 in the bank. And I'm like, all right, let's go do this. Now, the interesting thing is when I went and did this, I didn't pay myself for 18 months. I invested every dollar that was made. And I still have a picture like the first commission that came back for that company. Every dollar that was made for the first 18 months went back in. And at that point, that's when I hired my first team member. And uh, then I was able, I'm like, you know what? Okay, bring on someone part-time. I can pay myself a little bit and I can keep moving this ship forward. Today, starting what I'm going through right now, there's a lot more implications. I've got employees on one side. I've got business partners on one side. I've got a son and a wife. And now it's almost like, I'll be honest with you, like it creeps in just a little bit more. That mature grown up voice, which I try to kick off as often as possible. And I have to just sit there and say, no, you got this. Just like you did over 10 years ago. Don't let those fears creep in. I'm just a little more strategic about it and recognize my surroundings a lot better now. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because you know, we could make the title of this podcast like seven figure entrepreneur, serial entrepreneur, Brandon Straza, right? Like that would be an appropriate, (laughs) an appropriate like title for you. And yet here you are telling us about the fears of, of starting something and like sort of the challenges of struggling through, right? Like there's always going to be uncertainty and risk and, and this and that, like, how did you originally sort of cultivate this, like, but I can do this, even though all your friends and family are telling you no. And then how do you keep that going now that you have had some success? Yeah, I think a lot of that goes back to being in masterminds. 
And a lot of that has to do with paying for your friends. And I've paid to get to where I'm at at this point. In the last two years, I, I've probably invested between fifty dollars to $75,000 just in my education and my growth into myself and the people that I'm surrounding myself with. So when it comes to getting over my own inner fears now, it's these unbelievable people around me that help drive me when I see what they're doing. When, when I see, you know, that they're, they're not afraid. Now, they probably have interferes that we don't always talk about. But that's, that's a huge help right there is, is getting into the right mastermind, getting around the right mindset and listening to other people's ideas. You and I are in totally different industries. But at the end of the day, we're able to have a conversation and I'm able to pluck some ideas that you have in what you're building and you're able to hopefully pluck some ideas, you know, from me and what I'm doing. And you can insert that into not only your personal life, but also your business and strategic life. So, you know, to get over that, it's mindset from the aspect of saying, there's a lot of people out there that have it way harder than I do. And if that's the case, and I've built what I've built with the people around me to date, if I'm going to let fear be my stopping factor, then shame on me. My son probably, I would sit there and say, is one of the biggest driving forces because my fear is that in five or 10 years, he's, he's so aware of what's going on around us that he sits there and says, Daddy, so you built this great company, but why didn't you do more? I hear you, have, I hear you talk and have these amazing conversations and we have people over at the house. You've been to my house and stayed with us. My son still talks about that to this day. You, you've been able to go out to these amazing places but why didn't you do more? Because I tell him even at five, how much I expect of him and what I believe he can build someday. And you've been around it. You saw someone hand me my lunch at a mastermind and said, is that something anybody really wants? <laughs> yep. I was there. Yeah. And the difference between the doers and the, the do nots, the doers, eventually they're going to fail and they're going to learn from their failures, but they're just going to keep moving forward and make sure they refine, you know, how they get there. Yeah. You know, obviously we're talking, we're trying to talk a little bit about mindset and I really appreciate you, you bringing that up because a lot of people I feel like who are parents and who have responsibilities, like almost use it as a crutch. And if that's one of you, then so be it. But like you can flip it around in your head and use it as a, as a reason to drive towards whatever it is you want just as easily as you can use it as a crutch. And, and Brandon, this, I mean, that's part of why I wanted to bring you on other than you're one of my good buddies and you're doing some cool stuff. But like, I love the way that you frame that and the way that you think of it. You know, Kristen and I watched, it's, uh, there's the new documentary, The Weight of Gold. I don't know if you've seen it. Go check it out. It's on uh, HBO. But Michael Phelps narrates it. And it's basically talking about the post-Olympic depression that everyone goes through. And then it, it devolved a little bit further into some dark mental states of athletes who committed suicide. And it was really, really sad. And I definitely relate to some of it, definitely not the suicide part, but it got us thinking of like, man, we both totally went through that. Like two years of like, uh, what's like, what else is there? Like there's totally this like letdown. And that was a hundred percent a mental state that we built up and then we came off of. And now we're trying to think like, what else is there? Like, what else can we do? And that's a hundred percent this mental game that we're trying to play. And I love that you brought up your son and some of the other stuff that you've brought up. I mean, as far as, you know, 
pushing into um, this second venture because frankly, you know, you're someone who could just kind of run your insurance company and probably be pretty happy and have a good life by most objective measures, right? But like, what is it that's really keeping you rolling and keeping you excited about this? Because it's, it's, I'm assuming it's not making more money. It's, it's got to be something else. Yeah. So a couple of things, if you don't mind, when we were talking about mindset, I just wanted to rewind just a second. I think one of the things in the mindset is who we surround ourselves with, the experiences. And you had talked about how you wrote a list down. And I was having, a, I was doing an interview earlier today and it was about replacing things. What do you need to get rid of? And what do you need to replace it with? And so I think one of the things that has helped me from a mindset standpoint, again, is the people I surround myself with is if it, they're not positive, they're not helping challenge me and push me forward. I need to replace them. I need to get away from that. So it's not always internally what you can do for yourself. It's also the people that are around you. So I just wanted to, wanted to touch on that. And then, you know, back to, to what you had asked, you were, you were asking, what does it take to get over that hump or why, you know, why was it that we're building that next step? Yeah. Like what is it that keeps you, I mean, it's, I guess what I see a lot and what I'm assuming a lot of the listeners see a lot is like the follow your passion, like help others. Like personally, I struggle with that. And I think you and I have talked about that before. I I struggle with that being a main motivator and I'm more intrinsically motivated, frankly. I love helping people. I love mentoring. I love when I can provide value in other ways, advice and whatnot. Hence why we're doing this podcast for free. But you know, it's, like, what are some of those, those things that you hold inside of you that like when it gets really hard and it just like, you don't want to do it and you're like, ah, do I really need to start the success finder? Like, do I, does, do I really need to be the person that does this? Like, tell me a little bit about that. And, and I know you touched on your son, but is what else do you, is there something else that really drives you forward on that? Yeah. So a couple things on there when it comes to a driving force, there have been times where it's crept, crept into my head where I'm like, I could just run the insurance company and just keep doing that and have all this free time, do what I want whenever it is. The thing is, is when I started the insurance company, money did have a driving force behind it. But every time I hit that next goal and that next pillar, I wasn't any happier. Like I thought I had to hit this dollar amount, this size of a business, but it didn't make a difference in there. And so when it comes to you know, when you sit there and you're like, what is that driving force for why you keep going? It's, it's purpose and legacy. And legacy, I used to think was, was like a dirty word, like, oh, I need to leave this big legacy. But no, legacy can be something that you leave behind that you don't realize all the people that you affected or infected with something, you know, positive. And so I wanted to make sure that when I looked back, I gave everything I possibly could. So the people that I surrounded myself with never sat there and said, you know what? You talked a big game, but you didn't pull through with anything. I wanted to sit there and say, when my son looks back, they're like, you know what, dad, you gave it your all, no matter how it turned out, you gave it your all because I want him to have that same mentality at younger age. I want him by the time he's 10 for him to start looking like, Hey, what could I build? What kind of neighborhood business could I build and move from there? So I think it has to do with like, what is, what's going to fulfill you? What's going to fulfill me? And is actually building something for purpose and building something that can help change people's lives that, you know, the insurance company is great, but it can't help me change people's lives. It can't help me affect them, their, their long-term goals. Well, you know, how 10 years from now they could be like, hey, 
found the success finder and I found three of my top mentors and I found five of my best friends that I've built businesses with, however that is. So anytime something creeps into my mind of like, why am I doing this? Why don't I just take the easy way out something that's already a proven process and something that already provides financial stability was I'm going to get bored without having a purpose. I'm going to get bored without building something of meaning. And it, I finally, once I got out of the mindset of money was the driving force, everything changed. I stopped putting goals in front of me that says, if I just hit this, I'm going to be happy. If I just hit this, it's going to help other people. Money is the byproduct of what we build when you build something that helps other people. But the legacy and the success that you build along the way is something you could look back at. And someone's emotion is worth more than a dollar. And, and getting to know that, to have, you know, when you get that, those, those chills on your arms, you're like, oh my God, you just hear this amazing story of how something that you had to do with and how it changed their life, you know, three years, five years, whatever that is. So that's really what I finally learned was something that was going to help build happiness and helped build purpose was to build a company for purpose. Yeah, man. Thank you for sharing that. I love it. Really appreciate you bringing that up. Speaking of, of for purpose, uh, tell us really quickly about your podcast, which goes hand in hand with the success finder. Yeah. So the mastermind effect, you can probably see that right there is it, it is a compliment to the mastermind effect is a compliment to the success finder. I realize there's some doors that maybe I don't always have access to. And by having a podcast, which I, I pay for myself, it's, you know, I sponsor, I pay for it myself. I'm able to enter rooms that normally I wouldn't have access to. I could sit there and say, hey, um, you know, Steve Sims, I want to pick your brain on this. Uh, hey, Hans, I want to pick your brain on that. And if I don't know, you might be like, yeah, so, you know, what is about, what am I going to get out? You know, what is it for me? But once they hear that it is what, what it can do, then it allows me to have further conversations about Success Finder, what we're building. And it just, it's really a compliment to help us not only build quality content with the people that are going to be on the platform, but it opens a door. I think podcasts are the best way to open any door out there as long as you're just not slinging it. You got to actually put thought behind it. The amount of work that goes on behind pre-production and post-production, there's a lot. If you want to do a quality job, there's so much that goes, goes on with it. And we've had 11 episodes to date that have aired. And the great thing is, is your company's now uh, producing them, which I love. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. And we are really happy to be in partnership with you on that. And I, I appreciate you bringing all that up because, because you're right. The podcast is awesome and it's a great way to share ideas, reset your mind. I mean, I get on these, these interviews all the time and I always pull at least one thing out selfishly for me. And I'm like, that is a fantastic way to look at that thing. I had a guy who's a buddy of mine. I know he's a Paralympian. He's had both his legs amputated because he had a really unfortunate uh, flesh-eating disease that got him badly as an 18-year-old. It was kind of sad, but he's gotten into the sport of rowing, made the Olympic team. He was fourth in the single, arms and body only. And then now he's going back for another one and trying out for the canoe as well. It's a stunning athlete. And uh, he said something like, I don't believe there's such a thing as no constraints. Like the belief of freedom is the American freedom is like, do what I want when I want, blah, blah, blah. But he's like, I think 
my definition of freedom is like having the right constraints because we're all constrained, right? He's got the constraints of no legs. And he's like, but I have the right constraints around me so I can have this amazing life still. And I took that away and I was like, oh my gosh, that is so awesome. And so I pull things like that all the time. And so hopefully you get that out of this show. Hopefully you get that out of Brandon's show called The Mastermind Effect. And hopefully if you start a podcast yourself, you will get that out of your own interviews. Dude, I, I really appreciate you being on and uh, being part of the show today. I do want to respect your time because I know you got a few things to do for the rest of the day, but I want to transition us to the focus five, which is the same five questions I ask everyone on every show. Are you ready? I am ready. Right on. First question is, what book have you gifted most often? Blue Fishing by Steve Sims. That's a cool one. If you could get an hour of somebody's time, past or present, live or dead, and ask as many questions as you wanted, who would that person be and why? Walt Disney. And someone the other day told me I was not the CEO, I was Walt Disney. So I needed to surround myself with those kind of people. He's a dreamer and there was no box around him. Yeah, that is absolutely true. What is one thing that you believe that most people would disagree with you on? That I'll always figure a way around it. Problems come to me and I'm like, don't worry, I'll figure it out. And people don't like that response all the time. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. How do you start your day? Yeah, get up, you know, floss, brush my teeth, make my coffee. And I actually, I usually dummy myself down and just go to like yahoo.com and start reading the articles that are right there. That's funny. So, so you don't do a green smoothie or any crazy thing like that? Not until the little man's up. Once he's up, then we start making our, uh, our smoothies, which I think you might've had one before. Yeah, I have. I always ask that question because I feel like people assume that to be an amazing entrepreneur or be success, you have to like do one-handed yoga while making a smoothie at 5 a.m. On a, on a rock or you know, out in your backyard or something, right? Yeah, not, definitely not. Dude, uh, really appreciate you. Tell us where we can find a bit more about Success Finder and the Mastermind Effect and, and you, frankly, as well. Yeah. So if you want to find me, just find me on Facebook, Brandon Straza. Super easy, simple to find me right there or on Instagram, Brandon Straza. You can email me at brandon at thesuccessfinder.com. And then as the platform's being built, you'll eventually just go to thesuccessfinder.com to be able to find that platform and, and see what we're building. Again, we're building it for you, the listener. We're building it for selfishly because I want to see something come to light that makes a difference. So once the uh, platform is up, you'll just go to thesuccessfinder.com. And, uh, you know, go through the experience yourself. You have an anticipated launch date for all of this? Because I know you're not live yet. Yeah, I'm almost done with saying, hey, this is when it is going to be. Because I'm, I'm reliant upon people that are a lot smarter than me on, a, uh, on our dev team. And so it'll be this year in 2020. And hopefully by the time this podcast airs, we'll have the, the platform launch, the beta. Well, well, we'll link up to everything down in the show notes that he just talked about. If you're in the least considering 2021 as your year for a mastermind, you're coming out of this crazy COVID experience and you need a, a kick in the butt, go over to Success Finder and they will help you find the right one for you. Brandon, man, thanks so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate your time. Hans, thanks. Awesome. Always good. And that's a wrap for today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you want to connect with Brandon, do so down in the show notes. I've got everything linked up down there. Uh, you can find more about him on social and about the Success Finder 
once it launches later on in 2020. So if you're thinking about a mastermind, go hit that up because that will really help you make a good choice on which one is right for you. And if you want to get connected with me, my social is also down in the show notes so we can connect on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. So go check it all out down there. Thanks so much. And if you're getting value out of this, uh, please head over to iTunes, leave a rating and review. It does help me grow the show, get some really critical feedback on uh, what I can do better and how I can uh, keep providing value to you as a listener. So without any further ado, let's sign it off. This is Hans Krasina, host of Another Way to Play. And remember, make every chapter better than the last.